Hello builders. Welcome to the Builders Club Startup Founders podcast. A podcast for founders to upskill themselves and understand the founder mindset. Every week, we sit with the best minds in the startup ecosystem and understand what it takes to start, run and scale businesses. This podcast is from one of our recordings of our water cooler conversations. A weekly community AMA where we get established entrepreneurs to discuss their strategies and their mindset in front of our community members. So sit back, relax and let's start with the episode. Hello, how's it going Vinit sir? Hi Sohail, going good. How are you? Good morning. Good morning to everybody. Good morning. So a lot of other people might also join in soon. So for all of you guys who don't know about Vineet sir, Vineet sir uh, started his, he was actually one of the uh, very early entrepreneurs in the Indian ecosystem, uh, the OG uh, uh, builder, if I may call, if, if I may uh, call him, uh, you know, in the, in the initial days when nobody really knew what a startup was, they were, he was actually building something which uh, became actually, you know, one of, one of the biggest companies which has which is out there right now in india one of the most prominent ones mintra and then now he's building something in the in the fintech sector which is card 91 we'll go through both the journeys we need sir yeah uh sure so uh thanks uh, sohil for giving me an opportunity to address uh, the group and i believe that uh, my experience and my learnings uh, uh, will be of help in some way or the other to the broader group so that they can avoid making mistakes which i did and uh, probably get on with their journeys a lot faster um, you are right when i started it was actually very early days it was uh, early part of 2006 and uh, the ecosystem is not the way it is right now okay it was uh, in fact starting up in those days was considered to be a bit of a taboo if i may call it that yeah. and uh, Frankly, because there were just not enough uh, ingredients to support a fledgling startup at that point of time. My startup journey as a whole, uh, um, I would say started not much before that. It was like uh, just before Mintra, um, I was trying to do a small services startup, okay, which was basically uh, the idea was to have a very small group of uh, sharp techies i was a techie before that okay i've been uh, like after my graduation from iit kanpur i for the first seven years i've been primarily working in uh, various startups uh, across pune hyderabad and bangalore and uh, uh, by the end of it uh, what uh, i and one of my friends so who later on became my co-founder at winter also ashutosh uh, we decided that we should be doing a small services startup that should actually uh, give real value uh, uh, to the other startups who are looking for tech solutions who are not that tech savvy. Okay, and they really cannot build any tech in house because we understand technology really well. And uh, initially, it was two of us, and this was very early 2006. I would say Jan or Feb 2006. Uh, both of us had just got married. And uh, we continued for some time. And uh, luckily for us, we were able to kind of deliver good on the promises that we made to some of the early clients that reposed faith in us. 
and uh, we were able to do some hires and all. along the way uh, we met mukesh and mukesh was actually looking at moving in from uh, us to india and he had an idea which was very similar to um, other couple of companies uh, which were big companies in those days cafe presses as well uh, they were the biggest companies in personalized merchandising in us so he had an idea very similar to that and he was thinking of kind of bringing a, a similar idea to india and bringing a business out of that building a business out of that so uh, he shared the idea with us uh, and we liked the idea um, and we said that yes uh, we are on for this so that is how the journey of mintra started in uh, i would say around september october 2006 okay wow and uh, since uh, i and ashutosh both were techies so we actually started working on the tech side of it so the earliest version of the website uh, the portal mintra.com was built by us okay and uh, yeah it has evolved a lot over a period of time and uh, uh, but that was how the journey started yeah so vinit sir it's a very interesting point that you pointed out that you people initially started off with customized merchandise i still remember using the mintra website and i think i used it some somewhere around 2010 2011 and i think mm-hmm. this was still 5 years into the journey yeah. of mintra um and and the initial days so i would definitely would want to you know dwell a little bit more in the initial 4 or 5 years when so how many so in the initial days if i may if i would want to uh, pinpoint on the different pivots that you people have had and i'm i'm sure that there had been quite a few um initially what was the idea then what did the idea become and then you know if you can just help us with a few uh, you know bigger uh, milestones or bigger uh, Uh, turning points or pivots that you people uh, took during the mintra journey that'll be really helpful sure sure so um, just before i start on that i would also like to add that uh, three of us uh, mukesh ashutosh and myself uh, we are all first generation entrepreneurs okay we never had uh, any entrepreneurship experience uh, before and uh, nobody in my family or ashutosh's family i think mukesh's family had some uh, some semblance of an apparel business which uh, somebody in their family did but uh, not immediately so we are all kind of fresh off the hook in terms of uh, entrepreneurship and uh, none of us had ever done or dealt with a consumer business okay so you can understand that a bunch of techies coming and trying to do a consumer business in those days uh, it was and that too of like in those days it was not exactly a fashion business okay but yes it was a bit of a misfit i would say okay but then uh, as you normally till the time you don't jump into the waters you really cannot actually learn to swim okay so that was the approach with all three of us and we decided that yes let's just do it okay so uh what we decided was that uh, since personalized merchandising uh, and as you rightly pointed out uh, mintra started coming out of that personalized merchandising model in 2010 and 2010 was when the pivot the major pivot year i would call it there were multiple pivots along the way but the major pivot year was 2010 when uh, we pivoted from being a personalized merchandising portal to a full fledged fashion and a lifestyle portal okay uh, so till 2010 you would recall getting some personalized ipl jerseys or cricket jerseys or mugs and all what not over there um 
so when we started our idea was simple that uh, we wanted to kind of build a pan india e-commerce website through which people can order uh, all these personalized stuff and when we started we had about a very small assortment of about eight products which could be personalized because as you understand the personalized product is very different from a typical uh, product that you can just pick pack and ship so when it comes to personalization it is not just pick pack and ship it is pick process pack and ship okay so that actually means that uh, there is a whole lot of complexity that goes into order processing because essentially each order and each sku is different okay so uh, we learned about uh, those first eight products that we had put on the website and how uh, the personalization was supposed to be done on that okay and uh, initial days the support in terms of the infrastructure whether it is a logistic support the marketing support and also was not quite there and we also didn't know anything about that so uh, we thought that the business plan that we had made wherein we would quickly scale to a point where we would be doing about 100 orders per day in six months time frame mm. okay um uh, we the initial days i remember were actually uh, we were in a uh, uh, in a small bungalow in HSR layout uh, behind the HSR club and uh, we were working feverishly on the product. We launched the product I think somewhere around uh, Feb or March 2007 timeframe and uh, after three months uh, as per our plan we were supposed to have at least 50-55 orders per day. We were just getting two orders per day. Okay. Wow. So, so we realized that it is a lot harder than actually uh, uh, just putting some numbers out there on the spreadsheet. And uh, that was our first taste of reality, uh, so as to say. And uh, we did uh, we did all the things that is humanly possible uh, for, like, say, three young entrepreneurs who are just starting out, okay, reaching out to our network. Our network was also very limited at that time. Uh, Mukesh spent a lot of his time talking to a lot of potential investors. There were not too many, okay, in those days in India. You could actually count them on your fingers, okay. And uh, I believe uh, almost none of them had any positive view about the business that we were doing, okay. Um, so we we tried to continue. We we basically thought that we would actually add a few more products and we would actually reach out to do some more partnerships in terms of reaching out to few businesses and all. And uh, what we realized was that when we were reaching out to businesses, then we are actually getting a lot more uh, positive response and the order size was also quite bigger. So this was like teams in a company of about 20, 30, 50 people. They would like to have a t-shirt with a cool coat of their own. Okay. And uh, again, personalized with their names as well. Okay. So uh, they were very happy to kind of uh, partner with us and actually get this thing rolling. So in the initial days, it became clear to us that uh, uh, there is much more traction in the B2B partnerships that we'll be getting. Okay? Uh, and uh, when we went to the drawing board again to kind of evaluate and strategize as to where we are and what we should be doing, uh, this entire channel started opening up of B2B partnerships, our institutional sales as we used to call it internally. So uh, that I would say was the first pivot. Okay. 
going from a pure B2C model to a mixed B2C and a B2B model. It was not that we stopped working on B2C. We were uh, pretty much always working on B2C, uh, but the B2B started gaining traction a lot more. Okay, So much so that uh, in about, you can say, uh, two years, uh, yeah, two years, um, almost 90% of our revenue was coming from uh, B2B. So uh, this was around 2009 and all, and uh, we had, by that time, we had already raised Series A funding from, uh, uh, from uh, IDG, which is now um, Chirate, and uh, NEA into US Ventures, which is now Kalari, okay? And Excel Partners as well. Uh, they had just started off in India. So um, lucky enough that we were able to close the funding just before this 2008 debacle happened. Okay. And that gave us the necessary fuel to kind of continue on our journey. And our investors were very, uh, very helpful. And they were of the viewpoint that you need to do what you are doing because you are actually getting some traction over here. Okay. And uh, as and when the time is going to be right, uh, the internet is going to take off in India. People are going to buy much more on uh, uh, the internet. E-commerce is going to take off. And then you are just right there to take advantage of that. Okay, so you do keep on doing what you are doing and uh, you are on the right track. So we, as I was saying that we actually uh, never took our mind off B2C. Okay, B2B was more of a revenue generating mechanism. There was a separate team. There was a separate fulfillment team that was looking into all the B2B orders. But for the B2C part, we actually did pretty interesting things. Okay, we uh, managed to tie up uh, with the four IPL teams in the second season. I think it was 2008 when we did that. Okay. And uh, we were official sponsors of the IPL jerseys. Okay. So that gave uh, us a huge, I would say, visibility in terms of that, yeah, there is a company which is kind of doing uh, personalization of IPL jerseys. And you know the way cricket is treated in India. Okay. It actually immediately became a rage. And I remember by 2009, 10, we had uh, all the IPL teams uh, partnership done. There was an official Team India cricket personalization jersey partnership that was also cracked. And uh, we, I, in 2010, we sold online, I think the highest number of uh, the personalized jerseys, then the Nike, Adidas, Reebok combined from their stores when it comes to personalization. Okay. Now that was something which caught the attention of Tiger Global as well, okay, when they came to India and ultimately they ended up investing in us in 2010 as well. Yeah, yeah. So I, I remember the story of this IPL jersey, well, a bit mm -hmm. which, which you told me about, about that rainy night when there was a phone call in the office and yeah. and somebody somebody just picked up the phone, happened to pick up, pick up the phone. And, and you basically, so we'll probably go through that as well. And that actually reminds me that, you know, the whole journey of, his, of an entrepreneur is usually very serendipitous because you don't know what is right, what is wrong. You just fumble the way across. Um, mm -hmm. in, in these times, I would like to understand the role of uh, the mentors and the role of people who tell you what is right and what is not. And how much should you follow your gut versus how much should you go in for these kind of uh, guidance? Um, I would say that the role of mentors or advisors is extremely, extremely important. Okay. And, uh, all three of us would sorely miss 
somebody although we got a lot of good people on the board later on okay but in the initial days we actually missed quite uh, quite dearly the, a good mentor who would actually guide us through this journey okay um as you know in those days the ecosystem was not very well developed there were uh, there were a few companies who were kind of uh, doing the businesses in e-commerce in services um some of them have started e-commerce long back like uh, uh, the founders of big basket and all okay they started i think in 98 or 99 and then they shut wow. the business selling it out uh, but again it you could count them on number on fingers okay so not many people to actually guide you through the journey but uh, we did uh, made a lot of mistakes which could have been avoided okay had uh, we got the mentorship of a seasoned person who has been there has done that okay so definitely uh, it cannot be understated uh, the role of the founder, the role of the advisors and the mentors uh, when you are starting up especially if you are starting first time okay because there are so many things that would take up a lot of your time okay which essentially if you get the right advice can actually be done in the fraction of that time mm -hmm. So, so yes, uh, you are absolutely right in saying that uh, you need to have a good uh, for anybody who is starting up. Okay, and uh, this I say to so many of uh, young guys and girls who come to me for seeking uh, mentorship and all. I say that uh, see, uh, for a person, it is only humanly possible to advise or mentor unlimited number of startups. Okay, but the good thing about our ecosystem is such that. now there are so many success stories okay there are so many talented there are so many successful entrepreneurs who have made it big in india and they would like to give back okay so get hold of somebody in your network they might not be uh, from the new age uh, uh, companies internet companies okay but they might be running a business in the background okay they might have been a silent entrepreneur quietly building the business without being in the limelight and all it doesn't mean that they can't add value to you they can definitely add a lot of value to you you need to just get hold of a person who understands this who has the same vision who kind of at least shares the same vision okay and then they can advise you on what to do what not to do okay at the end of the day it is your decision Uh, nobody is forcing you to do anything it is your decision and that brings me to the second point which you actually put out which is like following your gut okay so there are going to be certain certain circumstances okay and uh, in those circumstances you would just have to just step up and say this looks right to me i will do this okay irrespective of whatever uh, others are saying so uh, i would say that at the end of the day it is your decision so you have to listen to yourself but it helps to have this mentorship and uh, advisors give you right kind of the advice so that you can kind of navigate through this entire maze of uh, the early days of starting up yeah 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 um very very well put vinay and i i think um, uh, this this also brings me to the question of uh, failures in general because there are there are quite a few in the beginning when you don't know anything yeah. you start something and probably your initial hypothesis itself is wrong but many a lot of people actually give up without even trying to figure out or analyze the failure and instead just saying that a failure means that i am a failure instead of that the probably the solution which i which i put out there was probably not the right fit for the for the problem which i was solving so usually how 
and and people usually become very emotional about the first product which they which they're trying to build so they don't yeah. want to change it as well what is the advice that you would want to give out to to founders especially in terms of dealing with failures so um see failure is a integral part of going up okay and uh, i mean throughout our life journey if we would not have failed we would not have grown okay i mean nobody learns to walk without falling hmm. so i mean let us take uh, the learning from there okay that we need to fall in order to walk okay so which means that in order to build uh, something successful you actually need to fail okay hmm. how you fail and how smartly you recover from it is something that you actually need to figure out okay because as you rightly said that uh, there are certain people who would get very very emotional about their first product and uh, or let's say the first set of features uh, um, it is it is natural to kind of to an extent to do that but uh, when you are an entrepreneur you need to actually look at the big picture you need to look at the fact that you are out there to solve a bigger problem okay and it is not about that you are solving that problem using a particular tool that tool might not work okay that tool could be the product that you are building the approach that you have taken might not work but there are several other approaches over there okay which might work and uh, uh, it is a judicious and a smart combination of the resources that you have at your disposal okay so whether it has got to do with uh, the team that you are having whether it is got to do with uh, even in some cases the timing of the product okay for example when we launched our uh, b2c website in mintra uh, the timing was not right okay uh, in the sense that uh, we were facing two challenges we were facing the fact that uh, the internet uh, e-commerce purchasing ecosystem was just not there okay people were very very hesitant to make a purchase on the internet for something like a personalized merchandise now personalized merchandise is something that people never understood we had to actually do a lot of work in terms of understanding something somebody that what a personalized merchandise is okay so there was a two front challenge in front of us which was like making people and educating people about personalized merchandise and ensuring that yes we are a legitimate e-commerce portal through which you can order products and the products are going to be delivered to you in case there are any grouses or complaints we will actually either refund the money to you or ship out a new product to you okay mm. so yes no so so we need that actually it's a, it's a good segue and this is something which i always wanted to ask that so uh, good that you pointed out that in 2005 the ecosystem itself was not ready the timing was not right uh, you were way too early in the market and you still and you basically had left a cushy cushy job you know to 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 uh, start something which probably would take some years for you to build um what was how did you i mean any any kind of uh, so number one is of course you know how does the family support and emotional support aspect come into the picture because there's there's a lot of because i myself being a being a founder i can vouch for this that how important emotional support is you know Absolutely. especially especially when when you're building as an entrepreneur so what role did the friends family play and then probably we will get down into the customers aspect a little bit more but i wouldn't would, would want to know a little bit about that yeah so uh, you are right uh, so hey okay uh, all this is not possible uh, without being mentally tough okay about this thing and mental toughness is something which i would say is uh, one of the most important traits 
that you need to have as an entrepreneur. Okay, I mean there are going to be scenarios, circumstances that you have not experienced before, which are not going to be pleasant. Okay, which you probably never ever imagined in your life that you would be actually put across them. Okay, so whether it is personal in nature, whether it is professional in nature, it is going to be there. Okay, so you need to be. resilient you need to be mentally prepared for all these things it's not going to be an easy journey okay and that is the reason why actually you need support from whatever quarters you can get it you need to get support from your family you need to get support from your friends okay uh, if for some reason i have even known people who haven't got too much support from their families or friends but just because of their sheer will power and belief in themselves they just carried on and made it big okay so uh, but definitely the support from family helps okay as i said that both me and uh, ashutosh uh, were just married when we started out okay so you can understand that it was uh, uh, another challenging period okay because the expectations on the home front were also there but then uh, i would uh, i would just simply uh, say that uh, the support that i got from my wife uh, was phenomenal okay i mean uh, she understood what i was up to and uh, it was not easing up uh, easy keeping up with uh, uh, with a startup entrepreneur okay especially when you are in the first year of your marriage uh, but uh, she was just besides me okay she supported me in more ways than what i could even imagine to describe okay so uh, i am very very thankful i am very thankful to my parents as well okay and my friends as well so uh, they never questioned okay what i am doing because i mean it's very very normal for people to question are yaar kya kar raha hai okay i mean you had a well paying job and now you are like you're not taking any money home okay you you guys have not raised money and uh, you were working on some cool tech and cool product before what are you doing selling mugs and t-shirts right now one of somebody also told me that if you had to actually ultimately sell t-shirts and mugs then what was the need of going to iit and study so, yeah yeah absolutely so, <laughs> so yes uh, um, you actually hear a lot of things but uh, as uh, as you rightly pointed out you have to be you have to be tough and you you need to actually let certain things slide okay of you uh, you cannot let everything get inside you because if you let everything get inside you it starts impacting you yeah. okay so you need to you you ultimately get better at that uh, and i have been okay because initially when i started i would let everything get inside me but one of the things which i was very sure of is like uh, that ye karna hai this has to be done okay and uh, even if it means that people are saying something let them talk i don't care about that okay mm. so so yes you have to be a little little besharam when it uh, actually comes to doing all these things yeah 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 absolutely i have one more question after that we'll open up for, open it up to the audience so guys uh, who are there in the audience if you want to have uh, you know uh, if you have a question for vineet just put it out there in the chat uh what i would do is once i have asked my question i would basically invite you guys on stage to ask questions or you can just raise your hands either of these these ways will work i'll unmute you and you can come on board and you can ask the question so uh, vineet I, uh, i i i had a question i have actually a bunch of questions a lot of questions um would probably want to touch a little bit on the funding aspect uh sure. because 
I mean, ninety percent of the people whom we usually speak with, um, you know, they the priorities are a little bit misaligned. Many of them want to focus more on the funding aspect rather than the building bit, and which is where I am of the firm opinion that would you know it's better to initially bootstrap and build at least some semblance of a product which fits the market rather than just try starting to look out for funding. But I want to understand what kind of help does funding actually bring in apart from the money? Mm-hmm. Uh, because money is, of course, there. You can get money from anyone and from anywhere. Yeah. But yes. uh, how do you figure out the right people who would give you, you know, from where you should take funding and what kind of help does it actually add? What kind of value does it actually add to the startup? Uh, yeah. So, uh, Kamal... Actually, funding, uh, I would say, is really very important, okay? Uh, See, there are essentially, I would say, I would divide the businesses into two kinds, okay? One is a service-oriented business. And uh, a service-oriented business is essentially a business that can give you money from day one. So, which is like providing consulting services to somebody, providing um, uh, services to somebody like coding services to somebody, uh, a tech uh, outsourced company or a HR outsourced company. So effectively, you have a bunch of people and uh, you start charging from day one, you have a small setup, but then uh, if you are able to do it well, then you don't need funding for that. Okay, And that was, I would categorize most of the companies in the first uh, half of the decade of uh, 2000, 2000 to 2010, most of the companies, some of my friends also started very successful IT services company that they actually scaled up and then was sold on uh, and exited from later on. Okay, so this, they started in that manner. They uh, did not raise funding and they only raised funding only some of them after reaching a certain scale. Okay, so that is one kind of a business. The second kind of, of businesses are where you are actually working on an idea and you need to build a product. Okay, so that that product can actually start kind of earning the revenue okay now building a product is something or rather a product market fit is something which can take anywhere from three months to three years mm. okay now if it is a kind of a product that you can quickly build and uh, do a small pilot and test it uh, the advice is always to do that first using very limited resources limited money okay uh gang up a little bit of money between the friends and all and somebody uh, who is not going to kind of come after you later on asking back their money okay mm. so uh do that get that product out see what the product what the market is telling you because irrespective of whatever you might have in your head okay the market is the ultimate indicator of uh, the success of the product or not okay so at the end of it you need to listen to that and you need to iterate fast okay Uh, Once you have found that there are certain things which are working in your favor, I would say that go out and start searching for money. Because money, apart from the fact that it actually gives you a lot of leverage in terms of expanding, hiring, okay, building a product faster, doing a really well thought out marketing, uh, getting money from the right set of people also helps you to expand your network and get the right kind of the people associated with the company. So a good investor or a good uh, VC who is going to be investing in you is not only investing the money, they are investing, basically you try to understand that 
it's vc's job it's their day job actually to multiply that money okay they cannot only multiply the money especially in the early stages if they just think that okay yeah i like this team i like this idea i will just pack it up with money okay the vcs are very very smart set of people they understand that a startup and the founders need a lot more than money in order to make the idea fruitful and successful so they go all out in terms of helping you guys and if you come across somebody who is not willing to do that i would suggest that please don't take money from them okay so you have to take money from an investor or a vc or somebody else who is ready to kind of help in a particular dimension of your business they might not be able to help in all, all dimensions of your business but they can definitely help in a particular dimension or a couple of dimensions of your business whether it is a hiring part okay so they can they are let's say extremely well networked they can actually help you crack two or three good hires that can actually make a real difference to your team okay they can uh, they can make some really good business connects okay they can actually help you crack partnerships which are very key in terms of uh, ensuring that your product actually reaches that pmf stage mm. okay so these are the various facets that actually one should consider when taking money okay and as i think somebody pointed out that it has to be a smart money so all these things uh, tip, uh, will jointly kind of uh, uh, make that money more smarter okay and one more thing which i would like to point out is that uh, you uh, did raise a important point about uh, about the failure and i talk about it but one of the things that all of us need to understand over here is that the speed of failing is something which is very important don't get hung up on one particular thing uh, as you rightly said that we are in love with that idea uh, so much had in uh, had over heels in that that we would like to kind of continue that for a very long time okay fail fast and then move on to the next thing okay so that will help you save time that will help you save money and that will also help the broader team as well okay cool that's a that's a very wise nugget from you uh, vineet i'll open it up for the audience so guys anybody of you has a question just raise your hands bijender has raised uh, okay shalini has raised okay i'll start off with uh, bijender and then i will get shalini in bijender you can ask a question hi vineet hi bijender yeah first of all congratulations on the fundraise of r91 uh, yeah, plus ajay uh, has been a great help and support and kind of mentor to me every time i start a new my usually first call goes to ajay ki bhai ye kuch karne ki koshish kar rahe hai thoda gyan do idea do great uh, from yes, long time back yeah yeah so i am also from mechanical iit kanpur uh, 2009 graduate okay. uh, i have a question pertaining to money itself why are the uh, what are the main reasons that the funding cycles are so laborious and long mm-hmm. primarily in india usually it goes from uh, anywhere from 4 months to a year and then you get a money for around a one one half year runway and then again you are doing the same uh, thing again so could you please could you be yeah. uh, so so there are uh, in my opinion there are couple of reasons to it okay and uh, uh, one of the reasons is that uh, uh, the the kind of the statutory and the regulatory uh, uh, regulatory requirements which are there which are imposed by 
government of india uh, they are very very lengthy okay and in order to kind of close the paperwork or let's say uh, even after you get a nod in terms of getting a term sheet from an investor to the final uh, point where you say that my round is closed there is just ton of paperwork which i feel is at this point of time we should be doing something about it or rather the government should be thinking about that okay they have a good think tank and uh, i am pretty sure that they are very well equipped to think about that and how to reduce that thing okay so it should not be uh, uh, it actually takes up too much of a founder's time okay so uh, that is one reason why actually it takes long and the second reason is a uh, reason which is in the first half which is regarding that uh, uh, when you actually start working on a certain idea and you start pitching it to the founders uh, sorry you start pitching it to the investors so uh, the investors typically uh, the way they evaluate the idea in india and the way the idea is evaluated in let's say in a much more matured uh, startup ecosystem like a us is very different okay and uh, there are reasons for that uh, i won't go into those reasons but uh, uh, in india people or the investors still like to play a little safe okay they would still like to see a bit more traction okay a bit more validation uh, some early hints of a pmf okay before they would like to commit the money okay what we have seen uh, with the investors uh, of us and all is that they would they would actually jump on the idea in the team okay and uh, as a result of that uh, you would actually see a lot many companies getting back yes there are there are failures as well but that is the nature of the game okay in uh, you cannot have all the successes coming out of the startup uh, world okay so uh, over there with the funding with the investment as well they have a policy of fail fast okay so you back somebody you back an idea you back them with money give them a certain time and if they fail they fail they are learning sort of it everybody has learning sort of it the founders and the investors as well you move on to the next one so the failure is not a taboo over there it is actually celebrated okay so somebody and this i can also tell you from my own experience that failure teaches you a lot many more things than what a success does okay so uh, so that is also one of the reasons why the funding cycles are a little longer in india because you need to actually do a lot of hard work in terms of convincing the investors okay uh, they as i said that they would like to see all these things before uh, they commit to invest got it does that i will need that yes yes that helps so basically regulation uh, the reluctance on the uh, vcs part as well to take some uh, risky bets uh, the founders uh, the back and forth that happens because the founders are also not aware uh, what kind of data to share uh, the structure format etc is also not there the stage is also not right and then the convincing also takes uh, usually larger amount of time thank you yeah thanks thanks a lot bijender um okay so next i think shalini you can go please switch on your video if you can hey hey shalini wait 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 you're on mute i have just unmuted you yeah okay thanks for this sohail and i'm a huge fan of builders club you know that 
Uh, Vineet, wonderful hearing you. Um, Vineet, I am building, so, you know, so like when Sohail mentioned that, you know, he said that he's in, a, he's with the thought that you should build uh, bootstrapped, right? And then you gave an example of, you know, if you're a service company, you can still do it, money comes in, and if it's a product company, you should look for investors, right? Now, um, so, so I am like, I'm like really confused right now. So I am building a product, okay? And it's, it's in the dating sector. All right. And whilst I've talked to and spoken to a lot of investors, all right, um, because this sector has not shown results per se, right? So the investors are very, and you know, we have like really these big guys in the market and they've not been able to, and, and I'm questioning everything. Mm-hmm. So, and, and money is not a problem. So there are people, so, so now I'm very, very confused listening to you because there are people who are ready to give me money. Me raising money is not being an issue. Okay. But am I raising it from the right people? So, mm-hmm. so what would you recommend? Do I raise money from anybody who's been there? So like, you know, everybody today can, you know, give out money. Okay. People in the corporate world and all, they want to be a part of a startup. And so, like I said, as, and I've been, I've been around uh, for uh, close to over two decades in the industry. So I do know people. Now, do I take money from them or do I stay bootstrapped? prove my thing or uh, and these people cannot further help me network or advise as you mentioned that's important so what would you recommend yeah so uh, okay Uh, i will just kind of summarize what you have said so you said that you are building on a product which is in the dating area uh you you are okay without money as of now okay you are bootstrapped you are okay without money but there is money available to be taken right uh, it might not, these guys who are going to be giving you money might not be able to help you beyond money. Right? Correct. Uh, so that is the question and you actually want to know whether you should be taking the money or not. Okay. So uh, see a straight answer to that is that if you feel by taking the money, you can accelerate the business. Okay. You can yeah. accelerate the business in various aspects, either in terms of the product growth, in terms of product completeness, in terms of hiring some other key people, in your right. team, then you should go ahead and take the money. If you have already all those things with you and you are still bootstrapped, you don't uh, really need the money, then I would say just wait it out a little longer. Okay. But if any of those aspects, whether it is related to marketing, whether it is related to uh, the it product, will, it will absolutely accelerate. I mean, there is, yeah, it will so if, if you are able to accelerate with the money, I would say just go ahead and take it. Okay. Okay. Helpful. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Thanks. Thanks, Shalini. Okay. So, anybody else, if you have a question, just raise your hand till that time. I have a question, Vineet. I wanted to understand about your customer acquisition strategy in the early days, especially when, uh, you know, you, as you rightly pointed out, you were going B2C, there was nobody, in fact, internet itself was so new. I remember laptops being bought for the first time in 2005-2006, you know, desktops, personal computers were still going to be a thing. At that point in time, how, what was your, you know, uh, customer acquisition strategy? And in general, uh, you know, how exactly, what was the, what was the overall plan there? Okay. So, uh, uh, Sohail, as you would recall that what I mentioned was that uh, after two, three months of launching, we were doing about two orders a day. Okay. And we 
had planned for about 45 50 orders a day at that time and uh, that is when we started reaching out to these um uh, within our network to these smaller groups like corporates and all so that they can actually give us uh, these bulk orders okay now what we did when we actually reached out uh, to these uh, groups was that while they can place order for the group we would also give them certain, you can say a discount voucher or discount code for placing individual orders as well. Okay. So uh, effectively we were making use of our network and we were creating an incentive for each one of them to place a personal order as well. Okay. And we would tell them that if you had uh, a good experience with us, you can refer your friend. So when you refer your friend, you get an additional uh, discount on the next purchase okay mm -hmm. so there was a kind of a referral program that we have put in place very early on mm. and the second thing that we did was that uh, uh, we knew that one of the main uh, impediments for the growth of uh, e-commerce in those days was the fact that there was a lack of trust because uh, people at large they were not really sure of whether i need uh, I can trust this particular website or not. Uh, they are they not fly by night operators? They can just take your money and mm. fly away. Okay. So uh, the most important thing that we did was kind of working on the trust part of the customers. So it would mean that uh, uh, the entire culture of the company was built on the fact that customer comes first. Okay. And if there is an issue which is being raised by the customer, we need to address it at any cost. Okay. Mm. Uh, since that was early days, we would actually take all the customer issue and complaint seriously, even though there were a couple, there were a few of them, which were kind of not, uh, very serious in nature, but our broader, uh, uh, broader instructions were to kind of treat every customer complaint very, very seriously. And we would go to the extent of either doing a full refund, keeping the order as well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or completely shipping you another t-shirt or another mug, whichever you were product, you are not satisfied with, which you ordered free of cost okay give an uh, give an additional uh, voucher to you to actually make the next purchase completely free of cost mm. so it, these kind of things help people understand that we are here for a long haul we are not going to run away okay so they then became confident that yes these guys are doing something right and they would actually recommend so the word of mouth also started happening mm. okay <coughs> sorry so that was one thing. Second thing was again, going into, um, uh, we started, uh, I think, uh, uh, this, uh, direct marketing, uh, only about a year later because Google AdWords was also in very, in very early phase of its development in those days. Okay. As it started developing, we started integrating all those things as well. But we, uh, in the initial days, we were not having that much money that we would actually spend a lot more on, on marketing and all. But yes, as we started raising money, we would spend money on marketing. Uh, uh, Facebook was just getting started again. Uh, Facebook never really had anything else going on. Uh, but uh, yeah, Google was there. So direct marketing mostly consisted of Google. We actually spent a lot of time on SEO. Okay. Mm -hmm. We were absolutely, absolutely like uh, you can say, completely infatuated with the fact that we need to have organic traffic coming onto the website. And we had a couple of people working just on that. 
so these were some of the things in the early days that we did sohail in order to kind of build up the customer base okay obviously once we got the money and uh, then as you know the taps opened <laughs> i understand vinay thanks a lot i'll i'll probably before we end i'll also want to touch on that anecdote that phone call anecdote that's something which i really want the people to also hear but before that anurag you had a question uh, i'll just give you just wait yeah you can ask your question just switch on your video if you can That'll yeah 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 doing that doing that doing that uh hey hey, hey uh, hi foil uh, hi vinit uh, welcome to the builders club thank you so much uh, for uh, taking out time on a saturday and uh, really great gems that you've been sharing with the community really love it so i uh, run a network uh, a content network called socially desi and we've built we've been building it for the last couple of years uh, one of the things that i've noticed uh, what mantra has done is uh, entering a lot of blue oceans right uh, with uh, the current live uh, shopping that you have started uh, that is also kind of a blue ocean and that is what even i'm trying to do with my content platform with podcasts and trying to figure out what sort of blue ocean i can really enter uh, which gives me uh, more than just a temporary advantage over my competitors so i wanted to understand from you when it comes to figuring out a blue ocean strategy for your business how do you really uh, let's say you you know come up with two three uh, ideas how do you uh, validate these ideas and figure out that okay this is the one that we should really go for because this makes sense for the business so for all the entrepreneurs out here i'm sure some of them would be trying to figure out uh, to theek hai let's try to do this uh, but how do you really uh, you know uh, jot you know come down to pinpoint to a particular solution ke theek hai ye karte hain this can be something which can be the next best thing yeah so uh, uh thanks on rak for the question so basically see when it comes to kind of uh, picking up uh, one strategy among uh, uh let's say a couple of them or three four of them that is i had in front of you in terms of the blue ocean uh, uh thing that you talked about uh one of the things that you need to understand is that when you are evaluating these options okay uh, you also are also evaluating these options against the resources that you are having at this point of time okay hmm. so hmm. i am assuming that all the three options that you have are kind of evaluated against that so that you have enough funding and resources to kind of execute each and any one of them okay uh, now comes the second part the second part is about which one you should be picking up so you you have a certain skill set inside your team okay uh, you will find that one of the blue ocean strategies is, is something which is kind of your team is more suited to execute okay at any given point of time or rather at this point of time okay and okay. Uh, secondly you also need to evaluate the fact that if you are going after that particular uh, strategy that uh, your team allows you to actually do okay uh, does that strategy help you in kind of leapfrogging to the ultimate vision part okay okay so once you have executed the strategy you should be giving you it should be giving you an advantage which should which should ideally put you in a different orbit altogether okay if that is likely to happen then you need to go ahead with that okay okay second thing is that you need to keep in mind that sometimes i would just take a leaf out of that and i would say that it is let's say uh, 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 a choice between kind of 
continuing to st uh, to stay in a particular market vis a vis expanding to another market okay so expanding to another market uh, uh, that market might be a greenfield market okay you might be having a lot of customers over there let's say you have the necessary uh, money and other things to uh, uh, to actually execute in that market as well but the fact is that it is another market you are not present over there so if you are not present over there then you are not completely aware of the unknowns in that market okay when you are not aware of the unknowns in that market you cannot effectively make that decision so while the market that you are currently operating it unless and until you have hit a ceiling over there and you know that yes i am the leader and i really cannot grow over there so i don't have any other option but to kind of expand outside okay so then that is a clear cut answer but before that you know the answer okay that yes i need to kind of up my game over here if i am number 2 or number 3 i probably need to get to get to number 1 okay or if you have somebody who is there available in the other market whether in terms of a partner in terms of a local mm -hmm. business who you have good connects with okay then yes you can actually start strategizing with them and understanding with them that whether it is going to make sense to kind of execute uh, the strategy over there as well so strategic alliances is what you uh, want to refer here when it comes to expanding uh, to a new job, uh, a business line or is it something that we should first look at internally if we have those capabilities use them rather than doing a alliance with somebody else so first is obviously look inside okay uh, because mm -hmm. that's the first thing to do and uh, <laughs> if you are looking inside and you are finding that uh, these relevant skill sets are not there okay uh, then obviously as i said that if you have come to a decision that you need to expand to another market you have to have somebody who understands that market well okay you need to talk to that person you need to spend time in that market okay if that is not done then from a distance things are always going to look rosy okay but only when we kind of reach that particular area and we talk to people over there we talk to businesses over there then we are going to figure out that yes these these are not like what we have anticipated and what we have actually planned for okay so i would say that anyway expanding to a new territory or a new market would mean that somebody among the founders should actually spend some time over there they need to talk to the other similar businesses over there in terms of understanding uh, potential partners over there and yes if you are able to get hold of somebody who is going to give you uh, a kind of a uh, i would say a comfortable understanding of the local uh, environment that's always an additional advantage okay okay thanks sunil thanks for the help thanks a lot thanks sunil thanks a lot anurag for that question uh, satyam you have one we'll take this one last question and then i'll i'll i have one and then we'll uh, We'll basically move on to the next section. Satyam, wait, I'll just unmute you. Yeah. Yeah, hi. Um, hi, Vinay. So, hi, uh, yeah, uh, first of all, like, thank you so much, like, for sharing your experiences with us. This is really helpful. So, uh, like, uh, I, I, I want to ask you uh, regarding the how things change after the funding. So, basically, like, right now, uh, maybe, like, we we can be a group of friends like, like let's go to two or three friends developing something we registered a company and equally split up the equities now after a, like a, a, i can say that angel or a vc uh, like gives the funding then how 
things like processes change here first thing the second thing in terms of the legal implication on the founders like what is the expectation uh, from the founders is expected from the investors point of view and then like uh, how investors track the progress maybe the weekly or the monthly basis so like uh, on the progress part uh, on the, from the founders uh, like how they track it so like maybe you can like explain from the vcs like institutional investors versus the the angels as well so uh, see as is the case with any money coming into the business okay money uh, the nature of the money is that it has to be put to use okay it cannot be put idle now the best use of money is when money is spent in a very organized and a thoughtful manner okay money cannot be spent in an organized and thoughtful manner unless and until you yourself are organized and thoughtful okay which means that you have to actually have the organization part pretty clear in your mind okay which means that the responsibilities between the founders have to be clearly divided that yes if you are three of them that one is going to focus on this one is going to focus on this part and one is going to focus on the other part okay uh, then the teams also have to be kind of uh, built as per that particular strategy secondly you need to identify which is the most important area where the money is supposed to be spent and that is more often than not that you that the clarity uh, of that particular aspect is something which i believe is is there in all uh, in the mind at all times okay when before you go out raising money because when you go out raising money you are actually asked this question as to what is the use of the proceeds going to be okay and you need to answer that question really well before the investor gets uh, convinced with you and with your idea that they are they really want to give you money okay uh, so the answer to your question is basically in the question itself that it is a part of your fundraising process okay in the fundraising process you are supposed to tell that these are the things i would be needing the money for i would be needing the money for let's say team needing the money for marketing i would be needing the money for building another uh, another product which uh, already in the market that i have done so okay hold, let me hold on to the number 1 or the number 2 position that i am having okay so these are the various ways in which you will actually demarcate the use of the money okay now when it comes to the processes and how uh, it changes after you have raised the money yes uh once you have raised the money from angels and all uh, it is i would uh, presume that it is going to be very early days uh, when you do that okay uh it is always better to have very basic sets of uh, set of processes in place okay so that you give a good visibility to the investors in terms of the progress that you are making because any investor would like to know what you are doing with the money okay angels specifically they would not tell you that hey listen you need to spend the money here or spend the money there but they would still like to know that yes if you have utilized this much money where have you reached have you progressed or not so set the kpi set the dashboard basis that okay now when it comes to vc money vc typically as i said is like uh, a much more organized setup and a system uh, after you have raised money from vc you need to make an operating plan okay so once you have made an operating plan that operating plan gets discussed with the investors with the board you get an approval on that operating plan that this is what i'm going to be doing for the next year okay is everybody in line with that so if somebody plan is the guiding principle to the fact that this is how you are going to be spending the money so that is how this entire thing is worked out
okay and like uh, like how's the equity split uh, after the raising money and any legal implication changes there so there are a lot of uh, things that change uh, after the money is raised satyam okay and uh, depending upon the kind of the terms and conditions under which the money is coming in the company okay the investors might or might not impose legal restrictions on you i would say i would not call it restrictions but they are like they are essentially those conditions under which the money is given to you okay uh, so yes uh, it's it's a proper legal document the shareholding structure the share subscription agreement is a proper legal document which is actually signed uh, all the founders have to sign it the shareholders have to sign it and you need to abide by it at all times okay uh in terms of uh, the equity structure again it is something which which depends upon uh, the negotiation that you have finalized and concluded between you and the investors okay so if you have agreed to give a give out let's say 20% of your company so the equity structure kind of changes in that manner got it got it yeah thank you so much thanks okay thanks a lot uh, thanks a lot for that uh, question satyam uh just hold on yeah so vinith one last bit before we close first of all vinith congratulations on the fundraise on card 91 i think i think we we skipped the complete card 91 story and probably we didn't have time but that should be the focus yeah. area that should be the focus area for for the next discussion that we have would love to know a little bit more about card 91 what was the idea how did you come about it what are you doing now and uh, you know what are the what are the future plans now that you have raised funding i'm assuming that you have big plans yeah yeah so uh, let me just give a kind of a two minute uh, overview of what we are doing at card 91 right now so card 91 is basically a fintech uh, company okay and essentially what we are doing over here is we are helping businesses launch their card programs more efficiently okay so when i talk about the card programs this is like um a business that wants to launch their co-branded card currently needs to mostly go to banks in order to launch their card programs okay now banks are notorious in a manner that uh, it's not not their core business in terms of giving out cards okay especially let's say whether it is a prepaid card or a co-branded credit card as well okay uh they take a long time in terms of rolling this out and it can range from anywhere from let's say 4 months to 6 months to even 8 months okay there's a high capital requirement uh there's tons of documentation and paperwork which is involved okay so all in all it is not a very good experience uh for a business uh in order to launch it and on top of that even after let's say the program is launched the businesses do not get visibility into the data okay by data i means the transaction that are actually being done on the card so these cards belong to the business okay now the business have all the right to actually have a look at the data which is being generated by virtue of the transactions being done on the card the banks typically do not give any kind of a clean interface to the businesses through which they can do that okay if the business wants to design the program in a certain way uh, there are limitations posed on that also for example you are running a company you give uh, cards to let's say 500 of your sales team and you want the cards to behave in a certain manner you don't want the cards to be swiped for more than three times in a day the upper limit being let's say 5000 rupees per swipe okay uh, you might impose a condition that for certain set of cards they are only going to work in let's say bangalore and for a different set they are going to work in mumbai at all 
it becomes very difficult to do this through a email communication with the bank because the bank they do not have the tools or the interfaces to in order to do that uh so the fact that this entire process becomes painful and convoluted for a business is what prop prompted us to actually build something which makes it very easy for uh, business to launch their programs they can come to a company like us card 91 we give them a very nice clean interface a single window interface through which they can actually manage everything okay we have our own switch our own processor and we have built a card management system on top of that okay so you either get a nice clean dashboard or you get apis which you can consume uh, in your own tech stack and then build on top of that Mm-hmm. So that is essentially what we are doing, and yes, uh, we have just announced the close of our pre-series around the thirty million dollars. Uh, lucky and uh, thankful and grateful to the investors for uh, uh, placing their belief uh, in us. Uh, it's a very good validation because the investors that we have got on board are some of uh, leading fintech investors uh, across the globe. They have uh, been a part of uh, similar successful. uh companies before as well and uh, we believe that they are the right set of investors for us so we are looking at kind of expanding the team growing really aggressively because as you know that the platform that we have made uh is a complicated platform it is a complex platform it actually requires regulatory clearances certifications uh compliances from so many uh, entities that we have partnered with the banks the card networks Mm-hmm. uh getting ecids is done okay so it has taken us about 18 months in order to launch this okay mm-hmm. so now we are ready with the product we have just gone live last week okay oh. and the idea is to kind of go all out and uh, start uh, giving it to the businesses who really need it so mm-hmm. uh, just want to emphasize that we are a infra product over here we are not in the business of distribution okay so uh, i have often faced this issue that most of the people they get confused that uh, Uh, we are we in the business of distribution so are we probably like happy okay so happy gave out expense cards so uh, the best example that i give is that we are not like happy but we can power happy okay so happy uh, has uh, incidentally their own they have developed over a period of time their own uh, processor as well okay uh, but a company like happy can definitely be powered by us Mm. a company like slice can definitely be powered by us mm. okay so we are not in the card distribution business but any business that wants to distribute card we provide them the right mm. set of the infrastructure and the tools to do that so so basically you are one layer below brex yeah you're basically you're building the infrastructure on which all brexes can be built yes yes absolutely this is a beautiful business sir it's a, it's, it's actually one of the So okay, Udit has a question here, which says, "How is it? How are you different as compared to M2 P and Zeta?" Udit, Udit, you wanna ask this question directly? I can. You can just raise your hand, and I'll, I'll just pull you up. So because I think you know this is this is something which uh, a lot of people would have questions around, and I really wanna have a longer discussion, but I think the time is running out. Uh, which we should have a we should have a separate discussion around this around the fintech ecosystem in general. Radhika also has a hand up. There are a few more people who are raising their hands also. Um, so, but we are running out of time, and I'm really sorry, Radhika, on this. But I would I would probably close on this. Uh, Vineet, let me see if Odith can. So I think you can just answer this question, and then we can. Yeah, I will just answer. I will then we go ahead and answer this question. Okay, yeah. so. Uh, M2P and Zeta. If you see, um, we are 
overlapping with both of them in terms of the business offerings and all okay now while zeta has currently moved into they started with cards they sold their card business to sudexo and currently they are focusing on building the complete next generation cbs which is the core banking system for the banks okay and that is what their core offering has become uh yes which basically means that one part of that has got to do with the issuance also which we are doing but we are only doing issuance we go really deep into issuance okay so for zeta the primary customers are banks for us the primary customers are not banks the primary customers are businesses who want to launch their own card programs okay so that is how we are different from zeta m2p uh, is a api platform for all the fintech companies okay and i think they have done a phenomenal job in terms of the last 5 6 years so the way they have kind of positioned themselves they started off as uh, uh as a bas company building apis for accessing different banking uh, uh, related data uh they also provide apis for card issuers and all so we have a greater degree of overlap with m2p as compared to zeta as of now uh so which would mean that you would actually call m2p a closer competitor rather than uh, zeta okay but essentially from a vision perspective i would say that m2p wants to be a api platform for all fintech companies and they have a global vision we want to be uh, we want to be a issuer processor for a new age issuer processor for uh, the businesses okay and we really want to take it further Okay, Odit. I hope that answers your question. But we're anyway, we're running short of time. Vineet, uh, I would really like to thank you for the time. Uh, I think we should have a follow-up discussion specifically focus on the fintech ecosystem and what exactly are building on Card Ninety One, also. Uh, and sure. we'll we'll probably bring in a few other fintech. So we have a separate fintech club as well. which is specifically mm-hmm. focused on builders who are building in the fintech ecosystem and i'm sure there is a, a lot of value that will get added because i think what you are building is 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 related to the infrastructural aspects i remember when i was also trying to do something like brex back like 3 4 years back uh, i realized that the main challenge is the regulations the main challenge the main challenge is the legal and the documentation and which we don't really take into consideration when we are actually imagining the product out Uh, and this is a problem which you guys would be kind of becomes a plug and play for for majority of the people so true true yeah we can definitely have another follow on session on this uh, sohail okay i would love to talk more about uh, how we have reached here what we are thinking of doing let's do that vinith let's do that uh, how was how was your experience vinith with this uh great uh, i i think uh, it was great interacting with all of you we have got a really invigorated bunch of uh, of uh, entrepreneurs over here and i i i just uh, i am hopeful that uh, some of the things which i have mentioned actually you can uh, use them uh, in your journey and you can actually get uh, some uh, some elements of help from them okay so yeah Thank you thanks a lot Vineet for this That was the episode Hope you got some rich insights for your idea from this If you like the episode do share it with your friends and rate us 
on Spotify, Google Store and iTunes. If you want to join the Water Cooler Podcast live, join the club at www.thebuildersclub.me. Until next time, upwards and onwards.